Amazing worship, amen? amen? So sweet, the Spirit of God is here this morning. I hope you sense that, and don't just watch from afar, but draw close to him, especially now, okay? Let your heart be soft for the things that he's about to share with you. Uh, I've heard it said it like this one time. This is what God is speaking because he is here and he speaks through his word. So, again, as we get into his word and we finish, we're doing our series on no condemnation in chapter 8 of Romans. Let me just pray for us. Thank you once again. God, thank you for the sweet worship that we are able to come into your presence, God. We know that you love us, you died for us, but Lord, we want to just again thank you and that you would speak to us and affirm us, Lord, that we are the children of God. And so I pray that every person here would know, if they do not know you personally, that today would be the day of their salvation, that today they would choose to call you Abba, so that you and us collectively, Lord, and individually, might be able to call you Papi one day. So for that, we want to say thank you. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Good morning, familia. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Keep praying for Pastor Dell. He is with his sons this morning. Okay. That's why he's not here. But we're good. Amen? Amen. All right. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We are in verse 12. We're going to go verses 12 through 17 this morning. So stick a finger in there in that New Testament text. Get ready. I'm going to give you a, I know you don't know this, but I'm going to give you a secret. What you don't, I, what people don't realize that the hardest part of a sermon, after figuring out what the thesis is or the big idea, is literally the introduction of the sermon which is the last thing you do, right? It's the last thing you do because you don't, want the dog, you don't want the tail to wag the dog, as they say, okay? So as we talk about today, I was thinking about it and kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was stuck. I was stuck until this morning. How many of you guys like to redeem everything you see? Like, how many guys like movies? Nobody likes movies. Okay. How many of you guys like this series called Rocky? Yes, right? My son, I'm just introducing my 17-year-old to Rocky. He's never seen Rocky before, you know? I know, it's like a sin, right? They're like, how dare you not see Rocky, you know? Like every, all of us, like, yeah, dun, 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 dun. you know, we're like, we know Rocky. But I like, I, like the new, I like the new ones too, right? Creed? Okay, so go with me to Creed, the first one, right? We have a story there of two sons. If you know the Creed or the movie, right? Rocky's biological son is doing what? He's kind of running away from his father. He doesn't like the name. He doesn't like the inheritance. He's like, eh. And in the movie Creed, in the new series, Apollo Creed's son doesn't know who he is. He just knows he's got a last name and his father was this world-famous heavyweight. And there's this beautiful scene 
in the fight, right? He, I mean, he's getting blasted. His eyes are swollen. And Rocky tells him, I love you. I love you, son. I love you. And he goes, but you got to get, we're gonna, I'm going to give up on the throw. And he goes, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. He goes, why? That's why. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. No, just broke the whole momentum. That's good, though. I know. I'm like, how do I recover now? You know? I just walked into a field with dandelions, you know? I, I went from a boxing ring to a, a field in the, in the plus. All right. Everybody go home now. Okay. No. Only kidding. Only kidding. Yeah. Nice try, right? No, but come back with me. Come back with me. He's there with him, and he tells him, and he goes, don't, don't, don't give up. Don't give up. And Rocky tells him, why? Why can't I throw in the towel? He goes, because I want to, I want to know. I want him to know. And he goes, why don't you want him to know? He goes, I did. I wasn't a mistake. I, I want to know if I was a mistake. You hear the, you hear the heart of that, that young boy reaching out for his father like, who am I? I got your skin color. I got your this. I got that. But who am I? And Rocky says, and he's beautiful. He goes, he goes, you're a creed. You're a creed. Now, here's what I want you to do, son, because I love you. He goes, I want you to walk across the, and he says it in a very colorful way, which I was going to think about playing it, but I didn't want to offend anybody this morning. He's like, yeah, did you hear the pastor? He said a bad word from the pulpit. No, no. But he tells him, go knock his block off. He goes, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to go knock his block off. And it's funny because the irony is Rocky is still searching and going after his other biological son who really doesn't want anything to do with him. So it's kind of almost like a prodigal story in one sense. But I remember the, but the Creed story, I love it because like many of us, we're like, who am I? Who do I belong to? And unfortunately, I know that we have a lot of broken families sometimes, even in church. Sometimes we're not raised with our fathers for one reason or another. And that puts an identity crisis in us. But Paul is letting us know that in Romans chapter 8, regardless of where you came from, you could be a child of God. Amen? Amen. That you get adopted into the family. And this is the beauty. This is why I call us familia. Because regardless of what, we're all family. Amen? Because all of us here have been adopted into the family. We are black. We are white. We are Indian and Asian and Hispanic, and everything, and yet, you're my brother and sister in Christ, eh? That's the beauty of what heaven's going to look like, you know? I always tell people, even, even, even heaven has a west side, okay? It does, yeah, you know, south side, you know, west side, you know? Those are for the, those are for the saints that are still being sanctified, okay? And they get there, I just made it, okay? I just made it, you know? No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Bad pastor, sorry. Sons of God, listen. As sons of God, we have assurance of his, that we are his because we're led by the Spirit of God. Okay? 
We don't have to indulge in the flesh. Number two, we have this deep, deepening, intimate relationship. And we know that, hey, if he's my father, I ain't running from him. So if you hated him, you're going to hate me. And that's part of the job. Right? Join the church. Become a child of God and suffer and be persecuted. All right? Anybody want to join now? All in favor, say aye. Okay, three of us, all right? All right? But it's part of being a child of God. So let me prove it with you. Open up again your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Let me read the text, and then we'll break it down. Romans chapter 8. It says this, and I'm reading from... A new version is called the Christian Standard Bible. So it sounds a little bit different, but you'll understand with me. Follow along, beginning of verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, and you'll live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. And sisters and daughters, okay? For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together that we are with our spirit, that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. Three things I want to teach you. Three proofs. Three proofs. Think about it. So I want you to do the check mark. Three proofs. And ask yourself, am I a child of God? Okay? I'm going to say it this way. Do you know who your daddy is? Okay? All right? Number one. Sons of God are led by the Spirit. Sons of God, is it coming up? Sons of God are led by the Spirit, beginning verse 12 through 14. So then, brothers, again, we are not debtors. This is from the ESV. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Again, that word debtor, right? It's what's our obligation? Okay, that's really what the word is, right? It's, the, it's telling him, hey, you're no longer here. You have an obligation if you're a child of God to be led by the Spirit. But it, it juxtaposes that against the flesh. Now, let's talk about the flesh for a second. It's important to remember that Paul writes flesh here. He's using the, it doesn't mean solely the body, okay? He does not mean just sexual sin. Okay? He means everything that is self-serving, self-reliant, me first way of living in the world that all the people apart from Christ follow. We owe the old way of living nothing now. You know what I mean, right? Before you came to Christ, it was about three people. Who? Me, myself, and? Right? Now that you're a child of God, the flesh has to die. 
And the Spirit of God needs to give life. And now you're focusing on others and saying, hey, how do I be a blessing? How do I rejoice in what God is doing? And I'm being led by the Spirit. Because the flesh only seeks to glorify self, where the Spirit seeks to glorify whom? Christ, right? And Christ in us. The flesh is always looking, let me share this with you, this. The flesh is always looking to answer a question that we don't even know we're asking. As we deal with our brokenness, right? Because everybody here is broken, right? Okay, any perfect people, raise your hands. Okay, no perfect people, yes. We're all broken, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're still being sanctified, right? We're still, we're not there yet, right? Right? Because even this morning, some of you were tested. Come on, speak the truth and show the devil, right? Right? If you got, if you're a parent, you were tested this morning, right? Right? I don't want to go. You're going to go. Come on, let's go. He's like, yep, see, mommy, was, he was looking at us, yep. But look at it. Let me tell, share this with you. When we deal with our brokenness, it's because of pain in our life. Just for a second. I'm learning this from a great friend of mine, a great counselor, and hopefully I will introduce him to you guys right here. His name is Dr. Bob Moeller. And Bob has worked with hundreds, thousands of couples across the country. And he's taught me that the number one issue is pain. Pain. If you were in our Wednesday night Bible study, remember the case study, right? That young lady turned to seek everything in the flesh. Why? Because of pain. I just want to plant that little seed in you and ask you if you are struggling with the flesh, even as a brother and sister in Christ, ask yourself, what's the motivation? I would bet you 99.9, it's some unresolved pain that you haven't dealt with. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now let's move to the spirit. Amen. The spirit, this is what it is. The spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 3 says, he commands us to keep in step with the spirit. He says, but I'd say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those, these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Oh, that sounds like Romans chapter 7. Remember the do it commands? The things I'm, I want to do, I what? I don't do. And the things I'm supposed to do, I don't do. Why? Because the flesh and the spirit are constantly battling. They're, st- they're constantly opposing each other. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. There's no condemnation for you. Remember, this is why we titled it No Condemnation. Because in the beginning of verse 1 in chapter 8, he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you read the last verse, verse 39, he says, oh, by the way, there's no separation either. You're a child of God. Regardless if you fail or fall down every day and twice on Sunday, I got you. Amen? I'm like, thank you. Thank you. All right? But it's my responsibility not to take the grace of God for granted, as Romans 6 says. Should we go on sinning so that grace increase? No. We don't do that. But we mortify, we kill the flesh every day. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Let me just read them to you in case you forgot. 
sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all things like these. When I was in the Marine Corps, they had this thing called Article 31. And an Article 31 was called the catch-all thing. Like, we might not have a specific violation that you broke, but we got this thing called Article 31, and it covers everything that we forgot, okay? Don't worry about it. If you messed up, we're going to get you, all right? All right? It's in Article 31, all right? Like, what did you do? I didn't roll the toilet paper the right way. Article 31, okay. No, no, only kidding. I'm being facetious here, but you understand? Some people, and you can always tell when they're in the flesh because they're going to try, what's the word? To rationalize their sin. Well, it doesn't say specifically. Blah, 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 blah. Verse 21. Okay? Verse 21. Now I forgot my, okay. Joking to all these things. And things like these. Okay? There it is. Oh, I didn't, I didn't call out your particular sin? That's okay. Jesus thought he's got an article 21. It's called verse 21. And things like this, okay? If you're doing this kind of crazy, you know you're wrong, right? You know you're wrong. Oh, but pastor, um, what about this? Is it, is it in the vein of these things? Yeah, then it's that. It's the flesh. That's wrong. Oh, but, no, there's no buts, okay? You, you're, you've been Article 21. You've been verse 21, and things like this. This is what you do. Okay, that's the flesh, but if you are in the spirit, and, it's, and he tells them, if you do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. There is no inheritance for you if you are walking in the flesh consistently. I'm not saying, hey, did I sin today? Yeah. Does that stop you from being a child of God? No. But if you are consistently, consistently, let me say that again, where you are indulging in sin and you know it, I'm going to say from that great theologian, Ice Cube, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I make everybody a theologian. Don't get, don't get offended, okay? You know, I got Ice Cube and Kermit the Frog, so don't worry about it. Right? You better check yourself. Who do I belong to? Who do I belong to? Who's your daddy? But verse 22 says it, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. There's nothing condemning me. There's nothing that can hold me now because I've been set free. I've been adopted, okay? I'm being led by the Spirit. Am I perfect? No. Am I trying? Yes. Do I always get it right? No. But am I trying? Yes. If you're trying, if you're letting the Holy Spirit lead you, amen. This is what we want. And we're saying, hey, walk with us and we'll walk with you. We'll encourage you. And if you fall, we're not going to go, oh, you're silly, bad person. You're such a sinner. 
The, the Christian army is the only people I know that kill its wounded. We will not do that at this church. If you fall, we will pick you up. In the name of Christ, amen? Verse 12 and 13. When the commentary says, if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Verses 12 and 13. Switch the imperative side of the Christian life by the power of the indwelling spirit. Christians are to what? Mortify, kill, or kill, right? The acts of the sinful nature. It's your responsibility to be led. Right? How many of you struggled this morning with, honestly, come on, coming to church, you were like, oh, I could watch them on TV, right? I was like, oh, I don't want to go, and my wife goes, you have to go. I'm like, why? She goes, you're the pastor. <laughs> you have to preach. I'm like, oh, I don't, ah, oh. okay, see? Now I'm joking, but it's true. But it's my job to kill it. The acts of the sinful nature. I just described them to you. The pattern is the same here as in verses 5 through 8, in chapter 8. The sinful nature leads to death, but the Spirit empowers believers to overcome their sinful desires, thereby to live. You have the same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. Amen? Amen. So you don't have an excuse. Oh, I can't, Pastor. You don't know how hard it is. I'm an alcoholic. I said, I understand. But you have the power to put the cup down. You have the power to say yes to God and no to the flesh. You do. That is the first thing you got. No doubt the Torah is still in Paul's mind when he reads this. Because the law stirs up the sinful nature. But the spirit defeats it. The only thing the law does, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it allows us to know, hey, guess what? You messed up. It doesn't help us. It just points out the problem that you and I are broken. Amen? We need a Savior. We can't do this without Christ. It just, it's like the yellow line down the, you know, on the highway, you know? Sometimes you go over it. Oh, oh you're dead. Oh, oh, got you. Got you. That's what the law does. It just, oh, oh, you messed up right there. I got you. Right? You're messed up. I'm messed up. But we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us and allows us to live a life if we are led by him. Which one will you choose today? Your flesh or your spirit? Who are you listening to? I wrote down this here. Were you dragged to come to church today? Come on, husbands. You could confess. It's okay. Are you compelled to read your Bible? What does your prayer life look like? Ask yourself. God, why is it so hard to be led by you? Could be because you like to indulge in the flesh. 
kill it. You have the power to do so. Okay? First marker. Number two, ready? Ready? Okay, two people. All right, here we go. Sons of God, okay, sons of God, children of God, have an intimate relationship with their father. There it is. Thank you. All right. Verse 15. If you do not receive, okay, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay? The slave became a son. This word slave is the word doulos. Can we put it up? Okay, doulos. What I want you to look there is D-O-U-L-O-S. D-O-U, forget the X right now. D-O-U-L-O-S. That is Greek. Okay, ready? That means slave. There, that was your lesson for today. All right? You can go home now. Now, please, don't go home. 150 times this, is, this word is used in the New Testament, referring to, hey, this slave. Remember, we were slaves to sin. Remember? You remember. Let me give you some context here. In the old ancient Roman um, world, there was no process for adoption in the ancient Jewish culture. If a man died, his brother automatically became the head of his household, so there was no need for a legal adoption process. The word adoption during this time of context in which Paul spoke referred to the Roman concept of adoption. Okay, this is how the Romans did it. And this is how Paul is using it to illustrate to us. In ancient Rome, check this out, you're going to love this. In ancient Rome, adoption had a powerful meaning. When a child was born biologically, the parents had the option of disowning the child for a variety of reasons. And you saw them, remember? Oh, the child is too small. He's not big enough. Remember even in the movie you saw 300 with the Greeks, right? They would come and look at the baby. And if the baby wasn't satisfying, what would they do with the baby? And in Roman times, they would take the babies and put them in the trash pile. And the dogs would come and eat them, but the Christians came and rescued the babies. The relationship, therefore, was not necessarily desired by parent or permanent. Not so. However, if a child was adopted now, in Rome, adopting a child meant this. Look this out. That the child was freely chosen by the parents and desired by the parents. That'll preach right there, right? This is what Paul is telling us in Romans chapter 8. The parents said, oh, I, I want to adopt him. Look at him. I, I, I'll take him. Right? The child would be permanently a part of the family. Parents couldn't, could not disown a child once they adopted him. Sounds like eternal security to me, right? A little bit. But look at this. As an adopted child received a new identity, any prior commitments, responsibilities, and debts were erased. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Right? New rights and responsibilities were taken on. There's that obligation. In ancient Rome, the contents of inheritance was part of life, not something that began at death. 
Being adopted made someone an heir to the father, joint shares of all his possessions and fully united in him. So the minute you got adopted, it wasn't until I died. The minute you got adopted, everything that's mine is now yours. Not only my name, not only my riches, not only my power, everything that I have is now yours. So which one are you going to be a slave to? Sin, to the flesh, or to the spirit? Okay? Because now I got an intimate relationship. Now I got a new daddy, amen? (laughs) Think about it, what it means for us as Christians. Rather than diminishing the beautiful reality of being children of God through creation, Paul's theology of spirit of adoption essentially doubles upon the power and significance of God's fatherhood. It is constant reminder, reminder that we are fully desired, fully loved, that we have taken on a new identity through Jesus, that we were created for heaven, but not even now, but heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ. This is what Romans 8, 17, we're going to get to it. For this reason, I cry out, Abba, Papi, right? Daddy, you know? How many saw the movie, um, oh my gosh, see, I'm using movies as illustrations, right? Smog, you know, the, the, about the dragon, Lord of the Rings, thank you, baby, right? And when the guy, the guy, the dragon slayer has to shoot it, the little girl goes and she calls, and she's calling her father, and she calls him Da, Da, and I go, oh, there it is. She's calling him for her daddy, Da, you know, in ancient times, it was Abba. Right? In Spanish, we say papi. Right? In your language or custom, how do you say it? Huh? Daddy? Right? Right? How would, how would we say that in Nigeria? Right? Huh? Baba? Okay. See? Everybody has a term for it. The question is, do you have it? Okay? Do you have it? Paul was even looking at Israel in the same manner. God had adopted Israel by his own to be his children, to represent him on the earth, but they failed. When God picked Israel, he says, hey, you're going to be, I'm going to choose you. Of all the nations of the world, I got you, you're mine. Now I need you to go tell them about me because it's not just you, it's everybody. I want everybody. And they didn't. They failed, Right? So here comes the church, the Gentiles, and this is the part of Ephesians, and even here. The Gentiles were always meant to be part of the children of God. Amen? All right? The Jews were the first ones, but they were supposed to be a light to the rest of the world. That's why God blessed them. He says, hey, I'm going to choose you. You're going to be my children. Go out into the world. Ah, you messed up. Don't worry. I got to back up. Don't worry. Christ is coming, the church is coming, and the church is made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and we all got the same father. Amen? That's why you're my family, and I'm yours. (laughs) Abba, Father, I wrote this down. Well, just listen to it. It's a prayer. As you listen to it, think about it. Maybe you could pray it. Abba, Father, I come to you through your son, Jesus. Thank you for knowing me, 
for loving me, for wanting me. Help me to deepen my trust and confidence in you. Give me a childlike faith. Strengthen me in my identity as your beloved. Give me your blessing, your mercy, and your forgiveness. I ask you to walk with me throughout this day and lead me into an ever-deepening freedom, joy, and peace that comes from being rooted in the security of your love. Amen. That's what you could say if you know who your daddy is. Amen? Last three. Oh, ex-dulos? One second. Dulos, right? The ex is, right? Christ. That means the word dulos is a slave. Ex-dulos is a slave of God. Hence my email. But here's the cool thing. God takes us from slaves and he makes us friends. <laughs> and then he takes us from friends and he makes us sons and daughters. And then he takes us from sons and daughters and he says, and by the way, you're going to be co-heirs with me. <sighs> oh, and by the way, you're also going to co-rule and co-reign with me. Why? Because you're mine and I chose you. That's what we got to look for. Okay? I am not a slave of my flesh. I am ex dulos. I'm a slave of God. Why? Because I know who my daddy is. Okay? And if I know who my daddy is, I don't worry about this. Number three. Number three. Sons of God. Okay, we get the next one. Sons of God are willing to suffer with their father. We make a transition now, verses 16 now, from 17 now all the way to verse 39. It's really talking about just one thing, suffering. Just suffering. And you're like, well, suffering? Oh, that's, that's not, I don't want to hear about suffering. <laughs> Comes with being a child of God. I want to go to verse 18, but verse 17 is right here. And if children, then heirs. I told you, if you're a child of God, you're going to be an heir. You're going to inherit everything. Heirs to, of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, provided we suffer, okay, we suffer with him in order that we also might be glorified with him. You're not suffering so you could earn salvation. You're suffering because you have salvation. Let me say that again. You are, you are not called to suffer to earn your salvation. This is not works-based theology. But if you are truly a child of God, this world does not like you, okay? And it hated him. Therefore, it what does to you? It hates you. And you're going to suffer. Yay! Anybody still want to join? All right? Verse 17, Right? Look at, as an heir, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering, Paul mentions this six, the sixth blessing from the spirit of the new covenant. It's our inheritance. We're going to get it, okay? And in the Old Testament, the inheritance of Israel was the land of Canaan. But in the second temple Judaism, inheritance would also come to understood to involve a spiritual realm. Israel understood, oh, we got this inheritance. We got the land. God gave this to us. 
Anybody see that in Channel 7 this morning? Still finding the same thing 2,000 years? Don't worry about the land. We got something even greater coming for those who are in child of God. We got a spiritual place. This is not our home. This is temporary. Okay? This is temporary. Now, I'm not saying you don't love this place. I don't say you don't take care of it. I'm just saying don't keep your eyes here. Okay? There's a realm coming in, an inheritance that's going to come. Suffering is part of it. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Oh, pastor, that's so, ugh, I don't want to hear that this morning. Sorry. My job is to preach the whole counsel of God, whether you like it or not. Your job is to listen and obey, just like I do, okay? Suffering is expected part of the Christian life. Jesus told his followers, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world, John 16, 33. The truth about overcoming sustains Christians when suffering threatens to overwhelm them. Christians suffer for a variety of reasons, including many of the same, uh, same reasons that non-Christians suffer. Life of this broken planet could be difficult. Christians may also suffer for the same, uh, same reasons Christ did, because they hated him. Believers represent the uncompromising truth that the world doesn't want to hear. Jesus Christ is the only path to God. You're going to suffer. Sometimes you suffer because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes you're walking across the street and a car comes and you don't see it. And that was your last moment on earth. Is that because God hated you? No. It's because we live in a fallen world. You have a new little baby two months into that and your child has got cancer. Is that because God hates you? No. God loves you. But we live in a fallen world. Sickness happens. Oh, but I'm a Christian. Bad things are not supposed to happen. No. In fact, if you're a Christian, you got a target on your back. If you call the name of Christ and you're saying, Papi, Abba, guess what? Wait for it. Now, sometimes it's you that does it. Sometimes it's God that does it. But either way, you're going to go through it. Real fast. Let me give you some reasons for suffering. Suffering may be a form of discipline. God is our good father. We sang it. Do we mean it? Do we mean it? Is he good even when everything else is terrible? Is he still good? When I don't got money to pay the mortgage, is God good? Yeah. Right? When sickness happens, is God good? Yeah, a car breaks down, I lost my job, you know, whatever. My dog died, you know, whatever. Is God good? Yeah. God is still good. Good, good father. When one of his children goes astray, he may use suffering to bring him or her back. It says, we just, we, again, we were doing this in, in, our, in my Bible study on Wednesday nights, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. God says, he disciplines those who he loves. Verse 7, to endure hardship as discipline of God 
God is treating you as his children for the children are, that are, um, excuse me, for what children are not disciplined by the father. My 17-year-old recently told me, he goes, I, 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 I finally get it. I, I finally get it, Dad. You weren't trying to be a jerk. You were trying to just discipline me so that I could grow up the right way. I'm like, he got it. Okay, praise God. Only got one more dove, you know? Second reason, suffering enables Christians to identify and encourage each other. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of compassion and of God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Years ago when I was pastoring in Chicago during the beginning of the war, we sent a lot of our boys from my church to war, about seven. We lost one. He was 19. He was 19 years old. And he goes, I, he goes, I know I'm not coming back. And I said, then you got to get ready. Praise God, he gave his life to Christ. He married his... 18-year-old high school girlfriend. And then she buried her 19-year-old husband. And we did the service at church. So right here in front of me was the casket. Right here was the casket. And for three days, because in Spanish culture, we watched the body for three days. And this 18-year-old girl sat right there. And she goes, I can't leave him. I said, no, we, we got him. We'll watch with you. Go rest. Maria, the mother, so was right there where my wife is sitting at. And all she could see was her dead son. I did the funeral, and about three to 400 teenagers from the high school were there. We closed down the city streets. The police were there. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful ceremony, just like you see in the movies with the flag and everything. But he was 19. And then Maria, her mom, left. And she didn't come back to church for years. I think almost five years. And I said, Maria, why? Why? What took you? Why, why'd you leave? She goes, Pastor, it wasn't you. She goes, it just every time I came to church, the only thing I'd see was the casket. I, I, I couldn't. My pain was too strong. I said, okay, I got you. She goes, but God brought me through it. I said, amen. Which we didn't know, because on our church right there in the front door, we had, all the, we had the stars, right? And, we had, and then we had a wall with all the pictures of the kids, of our boys. And one day a mother saw the stars, and she walks in, and she's, she has a gold star. If you don't know what a gold star is, a gold star means that her son died too. And she's like, and she comes to me, she goes, I came to church because I know you know my pain. I see the stars. And I said, yeah, we, I grabbed her. And I said, but wait, hold on. And I said, Maria, come here. And Maria went, what? I said, Maria. Let me introduce you, and I for, forgive me, I don't, I don't remember her name. And she just said, I lost my son. This is who he was. 
And Maria says, me too. Just held her and I said, I don't know that pain. I don't know that mother's pain. But she did. Right? And in that suffering, God said, don't worry. I know you went through hell, but I'm with you. And now I'm going to take that bad thing that happened to you, and I'm going to let you be a blessing to somebody else that's going through the same thing now. This is why sometimes we suffer. It's not just for you. It's for somebody else that you don't even know who's coming. So you can ask God, God, don't ask God, why is this happening to me? Here's the question you ask, God, teach me why this is happening to me and get me ready because I don't want to do the second part of the test. Because God, when he gives a retest, it's always harder than the first one. Amen? You didn't never notice that, right? God, God loves giving, you know, the, you know the, like in school, oh, you missed the exam. Don't worry, I'm going to give you a second one. You think it's easier? It's always what? Harder. Because the teacher knows you're going to cheat. You know, I, you talk to Johnny, you got the answers. Don't worry, I changed the whole test. I want to learn the test the first time. Amen? Like, God, I'm not that hard. I'm not that strong. Teach me the lesson the first time. That's what you ask. God, why am I suffering? Not why. Say, teach me the reason for the suffering so that I can use it. Number three, suffering helps us draw closer to the Lord. Right? We often seem to grow most when what? When we're going through hard times. The purpose of your suffering is for the perfection. Your perfection, your sanctification, your glorification. This is what, Rome, what Paul is preaching in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. He's like, hey, you're going through this. You're going to go through it. Don't worry about it. Your suffering is not going to last forever. But it's perfecting you. Okay? Number four, suffering reminds us that this world is not our home. Right? Right now, man, with everything that's happening, Jesus could come in the next five minutes, and I'd be so happy. Woo! Come, Jesus, come now. Right? The world is going crazy, and it's going to get crazier. Drugs, violence, whatever. Feeling whatever you think is suffering. Don't worry about it. This is not your home. Your suffering is just minuscule. It's just temporary. Fix your eyes on Christ because it's coming. Remember, he says, there's no condemnation. Verse 1, there's no separation from me. Verse 39, you're with me. I got you. I got you. That's what I'm telling you, right? If you're a son of God, don't, it's going to happen. You're going to go through hard times. But there's an inheritance coming. Let me, let me end with this, okay? We kind of went over. This is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to close with this. Luke, thank you. I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from the slave. Through he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managed until the date set by the father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, 
we are enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Remember, you were a slave, but then you became a friend. Then you, begot, you got adopted and became a child of God, and now you're going to be an heir. Amen? And then you're going to co-rule and co-reign with Christ. Woo! But when the fullness of time had come, verse 4, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. What? To redeem those under the law. We were all guilty. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit on of his son in our hearts. That way we could cry out the same thing. What? Abba. Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you are an heir through God. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We want to praise you. We want to give you glory and honor. Lord, because you took slaves that were slaves to sin and you made us children. You adopted us as your sons and you made us co-rulers eventually one day with you. God, we do not have to be a slave to sin. We are no longer under the flesh, but the Spirit of God lives in us. And we know that, hey, because we are sons, sometimes bad things happen. But regardless of what happens, Lord, no matter how much we suffer, in this world, this world is not our own. We've been called up higher for a greater purpose. But Lord, until you come, our job is to glorify you, to represent you, because we know who our daddy is. You are our Abba. You are our Da. You are our Baba. You are our Papi. So for that, we want to thank you. And everyone said...